this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I am so excited to be here. Uh, I gotta, I gotta admit, full disclosure this morning. I don't have a sermon prepared for you guys in the traditional context. Um, I just got back from Africa, um, like literally yesterday morning uh, is when we got back, uh, and uh, I've been spending the last two weeks in the African bush ministering to the Maasai people, and I want to first and foremost say. Thank you so much for your guys' support. Um, I, I, so, I felt uh, just blessed to be able to go knowing that the church here was supporting us in prayer, was believing in what we were doing, and uh, I just wanted to share an update of what God did. Is that okay? Um, that's why I invited the kids to stay up here because God did so many amazing, cool things over the last number of weeks, and I want you guys to be encouraged by it. I believe that what God wants to do today is stir faith for him to do it again, not on the other side of the world, but here in Pagosa Springs. Amen? Uh, How many of you guys know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's not bound by geography? And so it was really cool to see what God did in Africa. It was really cool to see what God did with the Maasai people. And I had to check my heart because I, I believe one of two things could have happened. I could have come back here with a cynical attitude and just wanted to say, oh, the, the American church is just blah, 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 and they don't know anything about the gospel. Uh, they don't know anything about following Jesus, and they've got too much money and blah, 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 and just be discouraged and have a completely jaded spirit. Or I could come back with faith for God to do what he did there here. And that's what, uh, that's what he's been ministering to me. That's what he's been doing in my heart. And I just, I really wanted to, uh, I wanted to share that. And so um, it's going to be fun this morning. I've got this picture that I put up here. It's like the title for my slide of Kilimanjaro. I took that picture. I'm pretty proud of it. I thought it uh, turned out pretty great because Kilimanjaro is a notoriously difficult mountain to capture because it's so big. And uh, the smog and the dust uh, there really make it difficult to see um, all the time. We went in the middle of one of the worst droughts in uh, Kenya's history. In fact, uh, it was so ridiculously dry there um, that it was devastating to see uh, just the state of things. And I'm going to share some cool stuff, some awesome things about how God brought all this together. And so a number of months ago... Um, I was, a, I, uh, actually a number of years ago, you can go to the next slide. Um, I uh, designed this logo for Kilimanjaro School of Missions. A pastor friend of mine named Pastor Brad uh, out of Oklahoma City. I'd been doing graphics for him and designing things for his church for a number of years. And he approached me to design a logo for a school of missions that was going to be chartered with the Kenyan Assemblies of God uh, in, uh, in Kenya. <laughs> and uh, so I designed this logo for him. Uh, very simple, you know, uh, we just, we did this. And um, I'd seen him post for a number of years just through social media. That's all, that's my only connection with Pastor Brad. I uh, was doing a handful of design work for him here and there. Uh, but I had seen him post about this ministry trip that he'd go on all the time. And he invited me to come and be a part of an exploratory missions trip in which that they were going to go into the bush of uh, Kenya to reach people that had never heard the name of Jesus before with the ultimate end goal of raising up local pastors and missionaries to continue the work that we did this last week. It's a really unique, uh, really unique design. I'll share a little bit more about that as we go on. But that was my connection, and I felt like God told me to go. Um, and uh, that was uh, back in August of this year, and I was really apprehensive about it because 
I won, uh, it was a huge time commitment. It was a huge kind of monetary investment. And the fact of the matter was, uh, my wife is a saint uh, because I had to leave her for two weeks with our two small kids uh, that are extremely a handful. And I was sitting here wrestling with this notion of missing church, being gone, uh, to go to Kenya and uh, be a part of this ministry trip, be a part of this missions trip. And I was uh, arguing back and forth with God. Anybody ever do that? Uh, don't recommend it. He typically wins, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, was telling him just the, the notion of the fact that, God, I don't even know why you're asking me to go to Kenya. I've never felt a call in missions to go to Africa. I've never even really wanted to go to Africa just like on leisure. It's not something that I was really looking forward to. In fact, most of my travel revolves around food. God, if you want to call me to Italy, I'm there, right? <laughs> Japan, I'm there. Like, let's, let's go if, that's, if we're just being honest. But Africa, I didn't even know what kind of cuisine they eat in Africa. Um, I was kind of thinking, uh, my mind went back to Old Town Market when Val would make all these different soups every week. And uh, he would just put some kind of different ethnicity uh, before the soup, it'd be like African peanut soup or, you know, Moroccan lentil soup or these things. And I asked him one time while we were working in the kitchen, like, uh, so is this like really traditional African food? He's like, I have no idea. I just come up with an ethnicity and I throw it on the front because it sells better. Um, <laughs> turns out I didn't find any peanut soup uh, there in Africa. We ate a lot of goat. It was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I was having this wrestling match with God on whether or not I, was actually, I actually heard his voice to go or not. And of all things, we were in prayer on a Wednesday night here, and the Lord just arrested me with this urgency to go and preach the gospel. And I, I could not shake it. I could not let it go. So I reluctantly brought it up to my wife very cautiously because I didn't want to play the God told me to go to Africa card. You have to just kind of suck it up. And that's just the way it is because God only speaks to me uh, as the pastor, as the head of the home, these things. Um, I really wanted her support with this. And uh, I thank God for a praying wife. Amen. A praying spouse who uh, she, uh, she spent time in prayer, heard from the Lord and gave me her support to go and uh, I bought plane tickets to go to Kenya. And then it seemed like all hell broke loose after I made that commitment to say yes to go on this trip. Our kids got sick. We had a, a, just a variety of different obstacles that sprung up uh, just in opposition of me going. That entire month before my last trip just seemed like a nightmare in order to get on the plane. In fact, it was so surreal when I got on the plane in Durango that I could not hardly believe that we had actually arrived at that point. From having to get certain vaccinations and malaria medicine and these things, everything that could go wrong just seemed to go wrong. In fact, the day that I was supposed to leave, the day before I was supposed to leave, uh, I got a phone call from the clinic here saying that um, they did not have the right COVID test to give me after all that I needed to get on the plane to go to Kenya. And uh, just one thing after another, there were all these like little hiccups. And then Durango didn't have their COVID testing place was actually closed down. Uh, it's the first time they've been closed down like on a Friday and a Saturday since COVID started for like maintenance on their program. So it just was like, God, am I still supposed to go? And then as a kind of final kicker, a few days before uh, we departed for Kenya, I received a phone call that my father had passed away uh, in Oregon and that uh, they needed me as the next of kin to go and deal with his estate and those things and uh, was very much adamant that I go in person to deal with a lot of the stuff that was up there. And uh, it was kind of really weighing heavy on me on whether or not, God, did I hear from you to go is this opposition to what you want me to do, or is this your hand trying to direct me and tell me not to go? Um, very much felt a peace and felt like the Lord spoke to me that this was still right, that he designed, he had designated us to go. And friends, I am so glad that I said yes. And I, I want to encourage you guys, sometimes the Lord speaks, and it's difficult when you say yes to him. Uh, I, want, I want you guys to I want you guys to understand this. When you say yes to Jesus, it's not a promise of everything going easy and going right. 
But I can tell you uh, that yes is so worthwhile when you see it through. And uh, so I wound up in Kenya. And so uh, this is a map of Kenya. Uh, on the, it's on the east coast of Africa. Uh, to the north is Ethiopia, and you've got Somalia and Tanzania on the bottom. So right there in the middle, it might be hard to see if you're sitting in the back. Uh, you guys can always sit in these first front rows. Uh, you don't have to sit in the back of the church. I promise I don't bite. Um, but we flew into Nairobi, and to the, to the west of Nairobi, you see something called the Maasai Mara. And that's kind of, it's right above the Serengeti, uh, above the border of Tanzania. And for the last 38 years, uh, Mike and Marigold uh, Cheshire have been ministering in the Maasai Mara to the Maasai people. And they've planted a pastoral school there, a phenomenal work of God moving there. Their, their son, Mikey Cheshire, and daughter, Shireen, who turns out, a uh, fun factoid, uh, was, grew up here in this church. Her father, uh, Larry Elder, used to pastor this church uh, back a number of years ago. Uh, she lived in the parsonage. She wanted me to be clear that uh, the church probably doesn't have the best memories of her because those were kind of her rebellious years in high school here. <laughs> uh, but uh, needless to say, she is actively serving the Lord and uh, your prayers worked. Um, <laughs> but her and her husband have worked in that region, but primarily we were working um, to the east of Nairobi, the southeast along the border of Tanzania uh, towards Mombasa, um, uh, kind of uh, a little bit east of Amboseli National Park. Uh, we were working in this area, pioneering a new work of reaching the lost, reaching the unreached, um, and with the ultimate goal of planting um, a school of missions to raise up local missionaries to reach Kenya, Tanzania, Somalia, Ethiopia, and Uganda with the gospel. Um, because it's, it's really cool that we get to, um, as, as Americans, travel over there and get to do a work and see God move. Um, but our heart is really to see something sustainable within the local construct of the country uh, ministering uh, throughout the region. And so that's kind of the long-term endeavor. It's really cool. God's been doing a lot of neat stuff. Um, but this was very much kind of this trip that we were on, this time of ministry, was like the tip of the spear. It was kind of the first inbreaking of light into a, a dark place where there has not been a church presence historically. There has not been a gospel presence um, outside in the rural areas. A lot of the, the, the larger villages have had... Ex, uh, have had um, exposure to the gospel, has had um, resources, but it's incredible just uh, how, how much this people group has not been reached with the gospel of Jesus because it's extremely difficult terrain to get to. It's not like you can just hop in a car or you can, you can get there just uh, by bus or something like that. We're talking uh, in the bush of Africa at the base of Kilimanjaro. Um, we were... Uh, we were out uh, ministering to people. So you guys can go to the next slide. And so this is, uh, I got off the plane. Uh, we stayed a night in Nairobi until the, rest of the, uh, until the rest of the team showed up. We had 13 people on our team that were foreign and a number of, uh, a number of locals that helped us, local pastors um, that helped us in interpretation and ministry. You guys can go to the next slide. Um, our first day there, uh, after getting off the plane, we had the opportunity to go in Nairobi to an orphanage that uh, Mikey and Shireen um, have, uh, I don't want to say own, you don't like own an orph orphanage, but it's their orphanage, <laughs> um, and uh, they consider these kids their kids. Um, and it's called Refuge, um, and it's in the middle of the slum. I mean, it is in the middle of... Uh, it's, it's, it's the slum, and it's this gated refuge there that uh, they have, I believe, 30-something kids um, that come, and they, they have a safe place. And these are, these are bona fide orphans. They don't have family. Um, and God is ministering in such a powerful way with these children. And you can go to the next slide. Uh, 
you don't have to play this one super long, but we got to dance with them and sing. My son loves this song. I only took a, a, a little bit of a video here. But we can, we can go to the next slide. Um, <laughs> this, is a, this is a picture of the orphanage, though. And you can see in the back, that's the dump. That's the landfill. Uh, like seven months ago, that landfill was, uh, I mean, it was over three quarters of a mile away, the trash. And it's slowly, it's not slowly, it's rapidly encroaching upon their property. That this, this property here is walled, it's in the slum. Um, but it's a safe place for these kids. But here, in a matter of months, uh, the, the landfill is going to overtake this property. Uh, it's a putrid smell. You can hardly breathe. It, it, it's not a safe place for these kids. So one of our big prayers that we were praying with this team once we got there was, God, we need a place. We need a new location. We need somewhere that we can move this orphanage to where these kids can have a safe place to live and grow up. And I want to tell you, it, uh, when we left, the day that we were leaving Nairobi just a couple days ago, the Kenyan Assemblies of God uh, made a decision that they were going to come out and assess the property and uh, establish a trade of land somewhere else in the country for this piece of property here in the slums so that we could build a new orphanage there. And so uh, that's still in development. That's still under works. But God is already in the business of answering prayers uh, for these children. So we can go to the next slide. Um, so we eventually got out to the bush and we set up camp. And you have to forgive uh, a lot of the photos that I took. I didn't uh, actually take a lot of photos of our time in ministry just because of the sensitivity of what we were doing. And so uh, I have a handful of ones off of my phone um, that I'm going to share this morning. But we set up camp in the African bush. Uh, we had the local Maasai with us that uh, were kind of our guards while we were out there because you can't see from here, but we set up acacia thorns all the way around our camp to act as kind of a barrier to keep wildlife out because we had elephants come to into our camp. We had giraffe right outside of our camp. Uh, when uh, the, previous, the previous team, when they uh, showed up to set up camp, uh, set it up underneath this big acacia tree, um, and uh, up in the tree after they had set up camp, they noticed an impala that had been killed by a leopard, and it was just hanging over the camp. <laughs> and so they had to take the impala out of the tree and put it outside of the camp, and of course the leopard come back. But we hired these Maasai warriors, who you don't want to mess with, <laughs> uh, to keep guard over the camp at night so we could sleep peacefully and soundly. We were lucky. We had tents. Um, we actually had, we had a, when we packed up our tent, we had a giant uh, poisonous scorpion in our tent that uh, thankfully the Lord kept us safe and we didn't die or anything like that. Uh, but uh, everything in Africa, it turns out, wants to kill you. I heard, heard that about Australia, but it was pretty, it's pretty intense. You see these trees here. You can't tell. Those are acacia trees and they're giant thorn trees. I didn't know that. In fact, the thorns on the branches of these trees are like four inches long. Uh, you, you kind of picture uh, the crown of thorns that they placed on Jesus' head. It was very similar to that kind of the reenactment, except for these trees are poisonous. And so they're not just thorns, they're, they're actually poisonous as well. So if you step on one or something, your foot will get all infected and, and nasty. It's, it's bad. Um, it, it, was, it was crazy. Um, but that's where we set up camp. And you'll notice, oh, if we go back, that's a giraffe. That was outside of our camp. Uh, there, we were riding motorcycles, or as the Maasai call them, piggy piggies. Because uh, <laughs> uh, that's how a lot of the places that we tried to reach, we could only reach on two wheels, on a dirt bike, on a motorcycle like this. Um, because it was treacherous terrain. It was difficult to get to. We also had at our disposal, thankfully, a 4x4 land cruiser, uh, which is awesome. And I will never compare my Jeep to a Land Cruiser again uh, because those things will go anywhere. We had a lot of flat tires. We broke a lot of stuff on it. Uh, but thankfully, the Lord kept us safe and we went uh, some crazy, gnarly places in a Land Cruiser. But because I want to show you guys some of the things that we saw, and I did actually take some pictures when we weren't on ministry, uh, I took a few pictures of some of the animals. These are the local wildlife. Took that picture of a giraffe that was outside of our camp. I thought that was pretty cool, right? 
I thought the kids would like that. Do you kids like giraffes? It's called a twiga. That's in Swahili. So we can go on to the next one. Uh, that was an elephant that was outside our camp. Uh, pretty cool, right? Um, it's just it's surreal. It was cool. And I don't remember what I put the last photo in there of. Oh, there was a monkey outside our camp. He was cute. Uh, <laughs> thought he was uh, pretty neat. We can go to the next one. Um, so our ministry primarily looked like us going from home to home, from village to village, to preach the gospel. We weren't there doing these massive crusades. Um, it wasn't like Reinhardt Bonnke style, even though that I love the guy. Uh, we were very much uh, traveling from village to village, Boma to Boma, these little mud huts, where we would gather the people together and preach the gospel to them. We had an interpreter. Uh, local pastors came with us so they could keep track of everywhere that we went in order to see uh, who was receptive of the gospel so that they could come back and plant a church. Uh, we called them tree churches because they'll literally meet under an acacia tree and invite the locals to come to church to where they could be discipled, where they could receive the scriptures in their own language and see uh, the church indigenously develop in a really awesome, awesome way. And so we went from Boma to Boma. You can go to the next one. Ministering the gospel. There, these here are mud huts, mud and sticks, and actually cow manure, um, because that's an insulating factor. Uh, the, it's actually really impressive uh, the way that they build these uh, they, they build these uh, structures, um, and everyone was so welcoming to us. Um, in fact, if you go to the next one, there was only one example where we were not immediately welcomed. And it's a pretty cool story. We came up to these bomas, and the children ran away in tears, like crying. Uh, admittedly, most of these people uh, had never seen a white person before, or as, as uh, we called them, wazinga, which I guess is somewhat of a, like a derogatory term, but that's what everybody called us. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had one, one of these bomas that we came into. Uh, all the children ran away crying. And the women, and nobody would come and hear us. Uh, we were trying to get them to come, and we eventually did. And it turned out that the last time that white people had showed up in the village, they had come to give COVID vaccines. And they were terrified, and they were scared. And it was amazing to me the fact that the gospel had not reached these people, but COVID had. The, the, the news and the knowledge of COVID-19 had reached these people, and even some kind of uh, NGOs that were distributing vaccines had got to them. And it broke my heart, the fact that, you know, people with vaccinations and people with, uh, you know, made it to these people before the Church of Jesus Christ did, before the gospel did. Um, but this particular village where this happened was really cool. Because we came in and uh, we, we invited everybody to come. There was a number of elders there. Uh, a bunch of children, um, and it was this beautiful boma. There was a, probably five or six of these huts, so multiple families were there, and we got to minister the gospel to them. And the way that we would do that would, we, would be that we would, uh, we would uh, kind of share our testimonies, share who we were, and then I would launch into a gospel narrative. And I, I would talk about how the Maasai were very wise, very welcoming, something that we noticed about them was that uh, they, they loved God because they do worship God. They worship Ingai is, the, is how they describe God. And they believe that he created the heavens and the earth. But that's really where the similarities between the God that we know and the God that they know, um, that, that's, that's kind of where it ends. But they're monotheistic, at least, in that nature. And so we would talk about God. And we would talk about the fact that he created everything, but he also created man because he wanted a friend. And he wanted friendship with us. And so we would talk to them about how, uh, how we broke God's heart and it devastated him uh, when rebellion entered into man and we had to leave. And obviously, uh, this took on a different form, um, multiple different ways, uh, whenever we would preach and whenever we would minister, because uh, we had an interpreter and we'd be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, in Maasai culture, they, they still practice animal sacrifice. 
in a lot of the regions, um, and that's how they would be right with Ingai. With that, they would be they would slaughter a goat. It was very much uh, like Old Testament um, knowledge there. Um, it, it was very similar, at least. And so we got to come and bring the message of Jesus and the fact that God had a son. And we saw such an overwhelming response to the gospel that every single village that we went to, every single Boma that we ministered in, almost universally, everyone embraced the gospel message of Jesus and decided they wanted to have a relationship. I can count on one hand the number of people that listened to our message and walked away. It was amazing to see the fruit of the ministry that came forth. Over the time, over the last month, we saw over 1,440 decisions made for Jesus. And that's just going from home to home. That, that, that's documented. There were many more children that listened to our message and heard that seed that we weren't quite comfortable in counting in that number because we just didn't know their level of uh, understanding of what we had shared. But we saw many come to know Jesus. But at this particular Boma that we were at, we saw God do something miraculous. And so we prayed, after we would, after we would uh, present the gospel message to them, we would ask if anybody there needed prayer because we believed that God cared about their soul for eternity, but he also cared about the here and now. And we have instruction. In fact, I'll read this. If you want to read the Great Commission out of Mark 16, 15, and 18, you can throw that up there. This is what Jesus says about preaching the gospel. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. We saw that. <laughs> they will speak with new tongues. We saw that. We actually had, uh, we actually had a, a member on our team that encountered the Messiah and heard in perfect English as they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and delivered a message in tongues. Uh, it was so crazy. Um, not, not just in tongues, delivered a message in Messiah. It was or in Kima, as it was. Uh, sorry, I'm butchering that. But it says here that they will uh, speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Trust me, friends, there were some things uh, in Kenya that we were quoting that verse. Uh, <laughs> but it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those are the promises. Those are the words of Jesus. He says, these signs will follow those that believe. And I want you to understand that as a believer in Jesus, I believe you have the authority to walk in this same kind of mandate as you preach the gospel. And so we walked with this understanding. We walked with this authority. We prayed for the sick and we saw them recover. I'm going to share another testimony here in just a moment. But um, we prayed at this particular Boma for one man. Uh, he was an elder and he couldn't, he could barely walk. He, he stood up to come over to us to have us pray for him and his hip was severely messed up. I don't know exactly what was wrong, but he could not walk. Uh, I mean, it, it was a pain to watch him stand up even. Um, and so we prayed for him and immediately his leg became strong. And I'm telling you, there was this, there was this, he had to be at least 70 years old. And I, he started running and jumping, excited about what God had just done. An explosion broke out of celebration within that little boma. But he gets so excited that he tells us, you have to come to my home and tell my family about Jesus. Because he wasn't at his home. He says, uh, you have to go. And he gave us directions of how to get there. And so we piled up in the Land Cruiser getting ready to go. And this joker outruns us. I'm not even kidding. He is with such joy and exuberance that God had just healed him and saved his soul that he outruns us to the next Boma, to the next village. And he, tell, he told us on our way that his wife was very sick and needed to hear the message of Jesus, but also needed to be prayed for. And so we had no idea what to expect when we got there, but we hop in the Land Cruiser and Mikey looks at me and uh, he's like, you're going to preach the gospel in this one. I says, okay, great. This is awesome. He's like, have you prayed the prayer of faith for others to be healed? And I was like, sure. He's like, you better get your heart right right now, son, because God's going to do something great. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> and we get there, we preach the gospel to his family and it's beautiful. They all receive the message of Jesus. It was hard not to with the testimony of their father, their, their elder, uh, just 
being miraculously healed because that morning they saw him limp away to go to the neighbor's house. <laughs> and he came back running and jumping and dancing. And so we got to pray for Mama, uh, who was uh, one of the elders of the, the village there. And she came out. She could also not walk. Her feet were, um, her, she was lame in both of her feet. She said that she was sick in her stomach and had been suffering for headaches for days. And uh, we prayed for her, and God came, miraculously gave strength to both of her feet, and in much a similar manner, she jumped to her feet and started dancing, praising God, and they all received Jesus. This was happening on our second day of ministry. I, I, skipped, I, skipped, uh, I skipped our first day, um, which I should have come back to, um, which I'll tell you right now. Our first day, we, we saw a very similar reception to the gospel, but our second, our first, our first time of ministry, this is my first time ministering to the Messiah, I had no idea what to expect. We jump out of the Land Rover, we saw 12 men, which was very, which was very kind of um, not normal to encounter a large group of men where we could preach the gospel to, excuse me, um, because typically they're out working, they're, they're tending the fields, but we just drove past them, and we, we hadn't even left the city yet, or the, left the little village, because we camped way out in the bush, but our Land Rover team had to go past through another team, another um, kind of another little city, village. Uh, when I say village, I'm talking like um, small. <laughs> uh, I can't even think of something that tiny to compare it to but a couple little structures. And as we were coming through there to head out to where we were going to ministry because we could reach it with a Land Rover um, or the, the Land Cruiser, uh, we came across these 12 Messiah men and we got to preach the gospel to them. And they all accepted Jesus right then and there. And then it turns out we actually went and ministered to their homes, to their wives and their children later that day. Um, and it was this beautiful testimonies kept coming in about how they had both encountered Jesus separately and they came home to tell each other about it. And it was one of the most beautiful things I had heard. But we came to, uh, our second stop was, uh, was a place where there was a woman who was blind, completely blind. She could not see, her eyes were fogged over and we prayed for her and uh, we believed that God would touch her and heal her, but she didn't get healed there. And so we said, well, we're going to keep praying for you, and we believe that God is going to heal you. And we went, on to, we went on to continue ministry. I believe that was like on a Thursday. Then all these testimonies started happening on Friday. And then uh, if you guys go to the next, next slide. So these are some BOMAs that we visited. Uh, go to the next one. This is Kevin. He was our driver. He drove our Land Cruiser. Uh, he was awesome. Uh, he took us from Boma to Boma to Boma, kept us alive. It was awesome. He was great. And that was one of the few pictures I took. You can go to the next one. This, uh, this was a cool testimony. Uh, if you look in this man's eyes here, uh, this man was healed from being blind. If you go to the next one, this was a really cool story. We had, uh, we had a report on Sunday morning so while, while we were praying and this ministry was happening and healing was taking place, uh, another group got to minister to this man. He was blind and could not see at all. I mean, he was completely 100% blind. They prayed for him and his eyes were disfigured. And I mean, they were, they were kind of overgrown. They, 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 were, they were very messed up. They prayed for him and he said, I see light, I see light, I see light. Um, and it was really miraculous, kind of those things. And uh, he told Mikey, I see you, I see you. And at first they were like, oh, we don't really believe it because your eyes still look very broken. Your eyes still look like you shouldn't be able to see anything. Um, and regardless, uh, we had a church service under an acacia tree the following Sunday, or the, the, the very next day. This was on a Saturday. On Sunday, we had a, a church service underneath an acacia tree. We called it the, the church under the tree. <laughs> and it was just in this region. And we had uh, tons of people show up throughout the different villages. All the villages that we had gone to, people started showing up because they had heard reports of how God was moving, how God was healing, how God was saving. And this man walked over an hour. 
His family ridiculed him and told him that there's no way that he could make it because he couldn't see. And they did not believe him when he said, I can see, I can see, I can see. And they laughed at him. He walked over an hour to the church where he worshiped and gave testimony. We had to get him sunglasses because he wasn't used to the bright light. But he could see he walked there under his own Um, under his own power. And not only could he see, but by the time he got there, God had completely restored his eyesight, gave him brand new eyes. If you look back at that first one, those eyes there are nothing like what we saw the day before. I mean, it was 100% miraculous. You could not deny what God had done. And it served as a testimony that really helped spread the gospel in this region. So if you keep going... um, this was, on, uh, this was one of our revival nights underneath the acacia tree. It's a terrible photo, uh, but it's all that I had. I was dancing, and we were worshiping God with a bucket. It was so cool. Uh, I'm telling you, makes our worship music seem lame. No offense, Adam. It's great, but if you could lead worship next week with just a bucket, that'd be great. I'm serious, guys. Their worship is so much better than ours. Um, <laughs> it was great. Uh, but here we were, uh, we were ministering. I had the privilege, I had the honor of being asked to preach a revival service at the church under the tree. And the people had just gathered. And we were sitting there, we were eating dinner, and uh, the pastor, Pastor Jackson, comes over and asks if one of us would be willing to preach a revival service in like an hour. And I say, uh, and Mikey said, well, he's going to preach. I was like, okay, I guess that's how that works. <laughs> um, and we had a powerful time um, as we preached on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And a heartbeat, the cry of the local pastors there was they were heartbroken that they had not taken the mandate of sharing the gospel seriously. Um, and they wanted their people to grab hold of the work that we had come to do. So the entire region that we were in here, this small region outside of Rombo, um, where we set up camp, uh, we believe, and we say this not to kind of like pat ourselves on the back or say, look at us, the mighty men of God, but we thoroughly believe the entirety of this region was reached and penetrated with the gospel to where after church on Sunday morning, we didn't know quite what else to do because there weren't, we didn't know of any more places to go around the region that were accessible or made sense for where we were camped out at. Um, Because one, we had preached the gospel tenaciously throughout the region and we had seen the local church take up the call and take up the mandate to continue that work of the ministry in the region. And we, we split up to four different churches on Sunday morning and uh, I've got a picture here. It might be the next one. Uh, I had the privilege of preaching um, quite a ways away from where we were in this church building that is a new Kenyan Assemblies of God church plant um, way out. And I have no idea where because I wasn't driving. Um, <laughs> but I had the opportunity to preach here um, on a Sunday morning and saw God so arrest these beautiful people with his presence It was one of the most uh, privileged moments of my life. Uh, They are so, uh, it was, I don't even have words to describe how amazing it was to see what God had done there with the local church. Um, um, Because we we went to these churches that were kind of in these um, community centers uh, around. Like we said, where we were taking the gospel was way out in the bush. Um, and it was away from where the gospel had already been reached. But we got to empower the local church to see them continue the work that we had done and bring discipleship to those who had just said yes to Jesus, which was something that was so wonderful to be a part of. Um, this, this church service, we came in, me and Brother Dwayne uh, came into this church service, and I, I'm telling you, the presence of God was more tangible and thick in this little tin shack uh, than I have ever experienced in my life. The Holy Spirit moved. They were all baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, and there was interpretation of tongues. They prophesied over us, and they prayed over us as Americans that what God was doing there would be carried back to our work in our churches here. It was beautiful. It was humbling. 
And uh, I'm going to share more about that experience at a later time. But because of this, uh, after church on Sunday morning, we went to four different churches. One was a church in the thorn uh, underneath the tree that was right next to our camp. We went to another uh, three other churches that were just like this uh, throughout the region, all within like an hour and a half away uh, from where we were camped and just saw God do so much incredibly cool work. But the last day is one that I'm particularly wanting to share with you about. Uh, we woke up, it was a Monday morning, and um, everybody's tired, everybody's exhausted. We've been going hard for the last week, and uh, we don't know where we're going to go. We, re- we, we quickly formulated a plan that the areas that we had been going to, um, our time was best served probably going to a new area to minister. Um, the only problem with that was the area that we had plotted was a significant drive from where we were. And so we packed up, we got on the road, um, got on the motorcycles and headed uh, really, really close to the border of Tanzania. And uh, it just seemed like everything that morning was going wrong. We had multiple flat tires, we had issues with the bikes, and it was taking longer than expected to get to where we're going. By the time we got there, we felt like we had wasted the day and we had wasted our time in ministry uh, because we, we really only had about two hours left to do ministry before we had to get back before the sunset. Um, and uh, we, were, we were kind of frustrated. We were discouraged. And it just seemed like every time we tried to do something, there was just this spirit of heaviness on us as a team, uh, everything, and it was hard. And we, we got together and we prayed that God would break that off. But even the first few uh, bomas we encountered, uh, we saw God move. We saw people accept Jesus, but it was just heavy. And we came to find out that this village, this region where we were ministering in, that the day before there was a tragic accident where three young men were killed on a, on a motorbike accident where they got hit by a truck. And so the village that we came to had been grieving the loss of these young men. And uh, we, we very quickly recognized that that was what we were experiencing and what we were feeling. And so we split up into two teams uh, between the motorcycles and the land cruiser. And our friends on the motorcycles ran into uh, 37 men that were planning the funeral for their sons. The fathers were present there and had the opportunity to minister to them and preach the gospel of Jesus and bring a message of hope in the midst of tragedy. And uh, that was awesome. That was great. My team uh, went uh, from Boma to Boma like we had and ministered and saw God uh, do miraculous things. And as we were preparing to leave, we came up upon a whole field of grieving mothers There was like 38 and children there. They were drinking chai. And uh, I had the ministry to minister to the mothers of these children um, that had, to to these mothers that had just lost their children um, and preach the gospel of Jesus. Pray with them. uh, Pray for a peace. And I, I, I I can't even begin to express what God did in that moment. More, more amazing than seeing the blinded eyes open. We saw deaf people here. We saw the lame walk. We saw all of those, but we saw God come and bring peace and salvation to a whole village. <laughs> I mean, both women and men in an extraordinary way. They invited me into the Bomas inside their homes where, where the mothers were grieving, and I got to pray with each one of them individually bring a message of hope about how God hates death, how he didn't design us to die, how he designed us to live and live forever with him. And uh, we saw each and every one of them receive Jesus and receive peace. I'm telling you, the difference between when we entered in and when we left, there was a tangible peace that was there. Not that it made it easy, not that it was fun, but we, we recognized the peace of God there. And that was, that was just kind of a, a brief snippet of the time there. Do I have more photos or was that all of them? Okay, I thought that was all the photos. Um, guys, I didn't take a lot of photos of our actual time of ministry um, just because of the nature of it. I did take a lot of time of photos of, I did take a lot of photos of animals the next day, 
We had like four hours uh, because the drive back to Nairobi, we stopped at a safari lodge and spent the night and went on a game drive in the morning. Um, and so please don't take the photos that I took as, oh, Pastor Nate went on safari for two weeks. Uh, that is not what happened. <laughs> but we saw just amazing things happen there. Um, I want to share a passage of scripture, Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Because when we're tasked with defining what it means to preach the gospel, I think a lot of the times we do it insufficient justice. We don't really define the gospel well. We might have an idea or we might view it in part. You know, we talk about a sinner's prayer or something like that, or we try to get people to answer an altar call. But it's more than that. And I love this, I love this language straight out of the book of Revelation that really defines what the gospel is and what it means to preach it. And it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting, the eternal gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. This is the message of the gospel, is that people would fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. We see this message and it was such a humbling experience to be able to preach this gospel, that God created the heavens and the earth and because of that he's deserving of our worship. But we go on and we read, uh, we read uh, earlier in Revelation that Jesus ascribes worth to himself because he was slain. It says that he brought men back to God. He redeemed man back to God. We get to worship God not only because he created us, but he demands our worship because he redeemed us. And to, to, to combine those things is really the essence of the gospel, is that God created us, he made us, but he also redeemed us. It's the idea that God bought us back twice, right? And we got to, we got to share that message with people who had never heard the name of Jesus. And we saw them uh, not just casually but emphatically respond to that message and embrace Jesus to where they were eager to go to church. I didn't finish the testimony but we prayed for a blind woman who didn't get healed when we prayed for her. When we preached at those churches on that Sunday morning, guess who showed up? Able to see. She had showed up. God had restored her sight and she was able to worship and she was able to see. The woman who was lame in both feet uh, was excited to come to church that Sunday and testify. These are people that had never been to church before. They'd never, they, they didn't know exactly what it is, but we were able to connect them and they walked for hours so they could be a part of what God was doing. What we, what we planted these last two weeks was just a seed, was just a start of what God's going to do uh, for all of eternity. But I share this because it's easy to get excited about what God did over there, Right? I share these testimonies, not just to say, oh, well, look, look at what our pastor did. That was really cool. I'm glad he just didn't waste his time and go on some kind of holiday. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm sharing these stories because this is the same gospel that we're called to preach here. This is the same message that you and I are called to carry here in Pagosa Springs because there are people that are just as bound, that are just as lost without the hope of Jesus that desperately need an encounter from him, that desperately need what you and I have. When I preached on that revival service underneath that acacia tree and it was black, I shared out of Luke chapter 7. I shared out of the story of Jesus coming to the city of Nain where a widow was weeping, carrying out her only son. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, not today. And he raises that boy up out of the casket. It says that they were carrying him out when Jesus touched him and the boy sits up and he doesn't just sit up, but it says that he sits up and he begins to talk. And it says that all of the people begin to regard it as a prophet. This is crazy, right? It says they feared God because of what just had transpired. But notice this. God didn't just raise the boy and the boy stay silent, right? 
God just didn't touch the boy and everybody kind of patted themselves on the back. And the stories that we, I told here, were the, what were miraculous about them was God did something, but they began to talk about what God did. And I don't know about you, but if you've met Jesus, he's raised you from spiritual death into everlasting life. I believe we have a responsibility to talk. I believe we have a responsibility to make a big deal about what God has done inside of us. And as we do that, I believe it's actually acting in the prophetic. Revelation 19.10 tells us that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, right? And so when we look at that, when we read that, when we kind of encounter that, we understand that when we share the testimony of Jesus, it's actually operating in the prophetic. Now, we have the idea of the prophetic acting as, uh, you know, maybe fortune telling or some kind of weird stuff that we read in the Old Testament. But if you really want to boil it down to what the prophetic actually is, it's speaking forth the word and the will of the Lord with the assurance that it's going to come to pass. And so when you speak forth the word of God with the certainty that what he had just spoken to you is going to actually happen, that's operating in the gift of prophecy. And I believe God has called us to prophesy in sharing the testimony of Jesus because when we share about what God's done, it gives permission for God to replicate that in somebody else. It gives people the opportunity to believe that what God has done for someone else, he can do for me. And so when we prophesy with the testimony of Jesus, we're saying, God, do it again. And that's what I so want to encounter us Uh, That's what I want to see transpire among this church is that the spirit of the living God would empower us to prophesy by speaking forth the testimony of Jesus to see these things replicated here and now. Because it was really cool. Africa was great. I can't wait to go back. As soon as I get some dates, uh, I want to bring a team from this church to go. Uh, just you can start saving now. It's going to be like 3,500 bucks. It's not cheap, uh, but we'll raise some money. God will bring it in. It'll be cool. I'll sell another Jeep. I don't care. God is going to pave a way for us to go and make an eternal difference in this region. And I say this because um, a lot of times we have missionaries come in um, and all the missionaries that we've had come in, I've fully support their work, but I know of a lot of missionaries. It's hard to know exactly what it is they do you know, on the ground. But I'm so encouraged to be working with this team, to be working with these people that um, their boots on the ground. We're actually seeing gospel uh, go forth. We're actually seeing salvations take place. And uh, I've got so many more stories to tell. But we'll have to get lunch or dinner and we'll tell them. Um, <laughs> we got charged by an elephant. That was pretty cool. I got a picture of it. Um, all these crazy things. Um, and I am extremely jet-lagged. Uh, anybody ever feel like they're just in a dream? Uh, that's what I feel like right now. Um, but I'm just so encouraged about what God did. You guys' support in allowing me to go and be a part of this. Um, it was a big deal for me to be gone for such a long time. But uh, I'm thankful. What I want to do this morning is I want to pray for us. I'm going to invite us to stand. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.